welcome to James Crowley's Infinite Playlist, the podcast where I try to listen to every song that's ever existed. My guest this week is a local comic. He's about to tour his new show. Are you touring? A little or? bit. Yeah. Uh, called How to Meditate, and he's also the host of the great podcast, True K, uh, Andrew Steiner. Andrew, welcome. How's it going? Thanks, James. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And you used to host Weird Ball, right? Yeah. 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 I, I listen to Weird Ball <laughs> a lot, and like I've just started diving into True K. So Did you I, really? I enjoy it. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, uh, w- before we get into the playlist, Steiner, what type of music do you listen to? Um, I don't really listen to any. I mean, I don't listen to <laughs> industrial. <laughs> I'm sure you guys like, I don't listen to music. I just found these songs. No, I just mean I don't listen to a specific type. Right. Um, I mean, uh, there's more like t- there's. I can say what types I don't listen to. Okay, like that's fair. Emo, industrial, <laughs> like that's really what I don't listen. Emo, to. industrial, or emo Both. or any, okay. any, yeah. I don't know. I I basically listen to anything that's not too whiny or too overproduced. Cool. And like you you well you still are a musician in a sense. You you do some musical comedy and like yeah. you you studied music in college, right? Yeah, so yeah. like yeah, cool stuff. So you know, you you kind of have every <laughs> you check every box that makes you ideal for this podcast. Sweet. Um and uh the the theme for the playlist you chose this week was it's lit Terrary. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, why? What drew you to that one? Well, I was almost a English minor, creative okay, writing cool. minor in college, so I was like, let's do both. Cool, right. awesome. Let's get that's, my minor and my dope. major. And uh, before we start getting into the specific songs, what was your approach to the playlist? I mean, I didn't have too many songs off the top of my head that fit the playlist, so I kind of researched other, okay. like, I was, like, Google, like, songs that mention books. <laughs> I I did sort of the same thing, where, like, I, I know a lot, but also, like, I started realizing, I'm like, these all are just things that reference Hemingway. So. And, and there were actually a few songs that didn't reference books that I were like, this is, this sounds like, you know, you know that, like, Hemingway short story, like, kids shoes uh baby shoes never worn for sale baby shoes never worn um that actually doesn't exist fun fact what it's that's that's a myth yeah oh but well well, anyway (laughs) this is where i get to let my snobby english major (laughs) sideshow but but my uh but my approach was like songs that sound like they could have been a novel yeah and once i saw that you had done that i kind of did a little bit of the same thing where i was like what's what are some songs i like that are like storytelling songs Mm -hmm. and you know they have little like poetics and things or like people that are like literary songwriters so and there were a couple songs i picked that were just like this is about writing books. Yeah, and I, I love that. And uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where like now I t- I have a bunch of songs like that that I love, but like now I apply them to like writing comedy, yeah. <laughs> and like uh, I have a playlist, uh, you know, that's like just for me that it's all songs I listen to like when I bomb, and it's almost all songs about like writing. Oh wow! But yeah, um, let's hop right into it. We'll go right in with your first pick which was Woody Guthrie's Tom Joad. Let's listen to that. Tom Joad got out of the old 
McAllister pen. There he got his parole after four long years on a man. Steiner, tell me a little bit about this song. Um, honestly, I'm, uh, I should have listened to this. <laughs> I mean, I used to listen to the song right. quite a bit. And um, it's about, okay, now I'm fucking ignorant, but it's about which which John Steinbeck novel? The, uh, the Grapes, Grapes of Wrath. Wrath. I had to do a little bit of research. I was going to say that, Steinbeck. but I, I didn't trust myself. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's about the, the Dust Bowl and the Great Depression, and it's basically a summation of that novel. Yeah. In song format, I never read that book, so <laughs> I've tried to read that book like it's, four times. It's like five hundred pages or so. It's massive. You know what I wish there was? I wish there was a song version of Cannery Row, because that's by far my favorite John Steinbeck novel. Oh, to be totally honest, I think the only Steinbeck novel I've read. He wrote the Pearl, right? Yeah, the he Pearl. wrote the Pearl and of Mice and Men, and yeah. that's it. Like, yeah, though his com- comedy writing is great. I've I've heard that. I've heard he's like a little bit satirical, a little bit. Dude, Cannery Row is the, one of my favorite novels I'll of all time. It's all out. about homeless people and hookers, <laughs> and a scientist <laughs> who drinks beer, milkshakes, and collects ocean samples. And he also wrote he wrote a memoir about like traveling around with his dog, right? I don't know, but I, if he I, did, I, I gotta read he it. Did. It's, <laughs> I Steinbeck's like one of these like giants that like. There's so many writers that like I I love like in theory, and I've I haven't read like their biggest thing. Well, like uh, like David Foster Wallace is a big one where yeah. like I've read a bunch of things Foster Wallace has done. I've never read Infinite Jest, and I wonder if I ever will. I think I've tried. I, there's there's like a very cert- specific type of novel I can read, yeah. and enjoy. Yeah. I can force myself to read anything, but why do that? Yeah. More recently, I've I've been very selective about what I've been reading because, like, uh, do you ever read Jonathan Franzen? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I I read his novel The Corrections recently, uh, and it ruined my life for like really? three months. Why? It's so sad. <laughs> it's so sad, and like I I was I was sitting on the train every day just like reading it and enjoying it. It's great, yeah. but like I'm just like. All I can think about is death. <laughs> yeah, I can't do that. But yeah, but Tom Joad, Woody Guthrie. Um, this was a little bit harder—not harder to find because the internet. But like, there there are a bunch of songs about Tom Joad. Bruce Springsteen famously wrote uh, "The Ghost of Tom Joad," I oh, believe. I didn't so. know that. Oh. But uh, yeah, I excuse, excuse me. I really enjoyed this. It's a little repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tom Joad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, as someone, because uh, my only real exposure to Woody Guthrie is This Land is Your Land. I know mm-hmm. I've listened to other stuff, but, like, that's the big one that, like, I'm super familiar with. But, you know, I, I didn't realize he is a visceral storyteller. And, like, even though, like, there's some repetition in the lyrics, it's very, it changes enough. And I like kind of, like, refrains and things like that. Like, even back when I was writing poetry in college, I would love poems that were, like, it always, each line starts with these two words. Mm-hmm. And, like, he'll have, like, verses where it's, like, Tom Joe, Tom Joe, you know, grandmother, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So. I'm just trying to, I should have listened to it, but <laughs> I listened to it enough back then. That I, uh, anyway. It, it, it's it fused into you. Um, had you uh, had you listened to my playlist or? No. Oh. I should have. <laughs> so I'm, I'm about to talk at you for, for about half of this. Well, uh, maybe I'll know some of them. Uh, well, my first pick is For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica. Let's, oh, okay. Let's listen to that really quickly. <laughs> 
metal. This is a classic. Uh, so like it, you know, it, it's got that great big riff. It's it's named after an Ernest Hemingway novel. I mean, I read the novel at least once. Yeah, I read it back when I was in high school. Wait, is that the one where he's in Italy? Um, I forget if he's in I Italy. Feel like it is the he, one. There's a there's a lot about a bridge that needs to be blown up, and then the guy, oh no, he's in Spain. Spain, Spain. Yes, and there's yes. There's a fat lady, and they cook rabbits. You remember it much better. Than I, I, I don't think I made it all the way through. I had to read it going into my junior year of high school, and I was I was super excited because of this song, and I was like, I fucking love Metallica. <laughs> this is going to be a great book. And yeah. then, like, I hated it. Yeah. And then, like, when I got to college, I started reading more Hemingway, and I'm like, oh, this guy actually does shit that I enjoy. And, uh, you know, I'm going to try to reread For Whom the Bell Tolls. Yeah, I've, I've read most Hemingway novels. This That might be the one that I didn't read. No, yeah. What's What's your favorite Hemingway? I mean, I have I, a lot of Hemingway. I, I used to love a, a movable feast. A movable feast is great. Yeah, I like anything where they talk a lot about drinking and whores. And yeah, eating. <laughs> I I reread Movable Feast and The Sun Also Rises this year, which are both just like party novels. Yeah, <laughs> and they're they're both a lot of fun. And I love I love F. Scott Fitzgerald. You know, I yeah. I've drunkenly called myself the F. Scott <laughs> Fitzgerald of this generation. <laughs> I I like I like. Great. I mean, I love The Great Gatsby, but I haven't really read anything else. Um, I've read I've read The Beautiful and Damned, and I've read some of his short stories. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I need to read is uh, the uh, Benjamin Button. Um, oh, he wrote which, that? He wrote that, oh. which apparently it's weird as shit. I like weird as shit. I've never seen the movie, but oh, like, I saw the, movie. the concept is bizarre. It's great. So, I yeah. love sci-fi. Uh, for so Metall- were you in into Metallica as a oh, kid? Oh, I love Metallica. I still love Metallica. Like yeah. I, you know, I was a big metal kid. I I know I talk a lot about punk rock now, mm-hmm. but like I'm a total metal guy. I had a metal phase. Yeah, and the, I remember the first time I heard about Metallica. Like I was living in Seattle, and I had some like Latino friend. And I guess we were into hip hop, and his older brother was like, "Man, that's not real music. You gotta <laughs> listen to Metallica, Master of Puppets, <laughs> man." That is my favorite Metallica record. But yeah. <laughs> that just made a big impact on me. It's a little kid they're great you know like at the end of the day like the you know they got some they're they're basic metal but like they're they're so good at they're great songwriters i once almost got jumped for blasting metal on a boombox. really in the get- i mean i didn't live in the ghetto exactly but it was almost the ghetto right and i would I, me and my friend i would just like, carry my boom box and like typo negative <laughs> blasting <laughs> and this like crew jumped like came up to me with like a rottweiler and like four kids Oh shit! Oh, party podcast foul! <laughs> I know. I should have. <laughs> I should have muted that. I don't know what she's calling me for. Uh, but yeah, shit. I used to do. I I used to. I still do stuff like that. Where like I'll I'll hook up my uh, my Bluetooth in the car and I start blaring like Master of Puppets or like yeah. you know Battery and shit. Yeah, but I I've never. I, I'm, have you ever seen? Anybody with a boombox blasting metal? <laughs> uh, actually, this there was this guy in college that yeah. like he he was uh, dubbed boombox kid because he would ride a bike around yeah. and he would carry he would have a boombox while he was biking nice. and like he would he would have like eighties metal and like nineties yeah. like hard rock and stuff blaring and like it was weird. Apparently, the guy was also a scumbag. Yeah. But <laughs> I just find it funny. It's like such a hip hop move with yeah. metal. 
<laughs> it, it's cool. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, you're uh, are you you're not much of a metal guy or um not really. It's but it's like I said. I mean, I'm I've been getting into Sabbath a lot lately. Really, Sabbath are great. They're yeah. so good. Like I said, I I just have I have a problem with certain production yeah. values like when when the distortion is super digital. Okay. I hate that sound. And, and a lot of metal is like that. Um how do you feel about like screaming and stuff in general? I mean, I love Iggy Pop, so I love when he screams. But that's a, that's a very di- not you don't like the <laughs> no because it seems contrived to me a little bit. Yeah, I could see that. I've I've been getting more and more into like like black metal where it's all like high pitched, like but growling, mm-hmm. at but like I like that it like kind of drones and like it's a very like sonically rich like texture, mm-hmm. and you know it almost reminds me of classical music. And it's cool. So. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's move right on to your next song, which uh, was "Cemetery Gates" by the Smiths. Let's listen Hell to that yeah. a little bit right now. I dreaded sunny days, so I'll meet you at the cemetery gates. Keats and Yates are on your side. I really love this. I, wa- I I'm I like the Smiths, but like there's so much that I haven't dug into, and I I love this. I <laughs> Dude, this was one of the songs where it's just like I didn't immediately think of this song when when I picked the yeah. topic, but this is one of my favorite songs of all time. Oh, re- I, that's awesome. Yeah. This uh, this very quickly like my favorite Smith song is probably um I know it's over yeah but this very like quickly like jumped up where I'm like oh this is amazing this <laughs> whole album is Queen fucking is dead. great it's a classic and and uh, another liter I almost picked this one too or in, instead of this one but frankly Mr Shankly I haven't listened to frankly Mr Shankly uh, there's a there's a line about writing. But I forgot. It almost sounds like he's talking to his publisher or something. Uh, pull up the lyric. Frankly, Mr. Shankly, this position I hold, it pays my way. <laughs> but if you know myself, uh, this position I, I didn't realize that you wrote poetry. I didn't realize you wrote such truly awful poetry, Mr. Shankly. I. I did bloody <laughs> awful poetry. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Gotta, gotta get those Britishisms in there. Yeah, yeah, bloody. Uh, Morrissey is a complicated person to love now, but mm. he it, he does have such a great way with words, and especially this song where you know he's he's basically comparing himself to Oscar Wilde, which is yeah. bold. Yeah, he and they're 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 talking about. I mean uh, Keats and Yates, right? But I'm trying to remember exactly. They're are they playing tag in the cemetery? Um, and I, I I forgot. There's like a famous cemetery in London. Where all these poets are buried, so I almost imagine like they're playing tag, and the bases are like the graves of these poets. I don't well, even know if that's the well. So it. if it's if it's where Oscar Wilde is buried, Oscar Wilde is actually buried in Paris. Mm. Um, I I actually went to Oscar Wilde's grave uh, this year, oh, nice. um, and it's it's weird because they uh, they have like a big glass wall around it because. Uh, it's it was a tradition where people would put on bright red lipstick and kiss the grave, uh, and then they were like, "People are defiling the grave. We have uh, to put this up." But then people just kiss the glass. <laughs> all right, but well, there's something to kiss. 
Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we gravely read the stones, all those people, all those lives. Where are they now with yeah. loves and hates and passions? Just, just like, like mine. They were born and then they lived and then they died. <laughs> I'm glad you're singing it because I'm just reading it and I'm like, this is actually very sad. But he <laughs> says it say- in like kind of a blase way. Yeah. The, well, the Smiths are always a little bit like tongue in cheek. They, yeah. you know, one of the things I do like about the Smiths a lot is they're funny. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, you look at a song like "There's a Light That Never Goes Out" and he's like, "If a double decker bus cr- crashes into us, that's uh, you know, to die by your side. That's a great. That's funny. It's such, a silly. It's just, such a heavenly." way to die yeah so morose but it's still like still a little funny yeah oh yeah just because it's so overblown um Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah i yeah i I was i was surprised to see a smith song just because you don't strike me as a smith's person (laughs) yeah man i mean i'm a i'm a bummer i I, (laughs) i've been depressed a lot um i'm a big yates fan so anytime you call out yates I'm like fuck yeah. I'm trying to think what I've read from. Does Yates. he say Weird Lover Wild? Uh, he closes because Weird Lover Wild is on mine. Yeah, um, I love that a- one. And it, it is funny to like you draw the comparisons to to Morrissey and uh, Wild because they're both Irish people living in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, Morrissey, I think, has never been outed, but right. Morrissey is uh, at least bisexual, yeah. pansexual, if not gay. Yeah. Uh, and Wild was also kind of openly gay for his time, and like well, he was put in prison for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he was uh, his lover was a like French aristocrat, I think. Mm-hmm. I think he was like a prince or something. And you know, there there's also this big aspect of like uh, Wild, where like he just wanted to be in an English gentleman. He wanted to be in the aristocracy, but he couldn't because because he was gay, because he was Irish, and you know, he ended up defending himself against all that by writing these silly plays and books and like breaking it down. Yeah, I think he was dating the um that prince, the prince formerly known as artist. <laughs> <laughs> the the symbol. <laughs> uh, uh, Oscar Wilde's crowning moment is purple rain. <laughs> uh let's let's move right along into my next pick, which was uh Lovecraft in Brooklyn by the Mountain Goats. Let's listen to a little bit of that right now. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, I, re- I wish I did. Y- you, I think you would dig, so, like, especially early mountain goats, because, like, they're kind of lo-fi, which is kind of a barrier for some people. I like lo-fi. But, like, they're very, like, they're very smart storytellers. John Darnielle is a great lyricist. I like, I like, I like. Anything that's good lyrics, I'm into, yeah. and I'm into like Daniel Johnston. Didn't he die? Did he, he just die? He died last week. It's actually, crazy, I think. Yeah, there's there's another death. There's, <laughs> Cheers to Cheers. Daniel Dan- Johnston. There's, there's a couple of deaths, recent deaths on both of our playlists. Mm. So I didn't know that. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, Mountain Goats are great. Like uh, great storytellers. They're more recent stuff. Like they do these big concept albums where like. 
not the one they just put out, but they put out an album like two years ago where the theme was goths. Okay. And like, it's just like him singing about, like, he sings about goth musicians, but like, there's no guitars on it. And like, it's almost like an adult contemporary record. And like, he kind of sounds like Randy Newman on certain songs, wow. but like, he's singing about like Robert Smith and uh, Susie Sue and things like that. Interesting. Um, but Lovecraft in Brooklyn is from their album Heretic Pride, and he sings about H.P. Lovecraft. He he doesn't sing necessarily about H.P. Lovecraft, but he kind of like. Are you familiar with Lovecraft at all? Like, Big, I mean, Cthulhu, like Cthulhu memes. Um, <laughs> he, I can't remember if he was just racist or if he was uh, an anti-Semite. But he he lived in Brooklyn and was terrified. He wouldn't leave his apartment because he hated like oh. either black people or Jewish people. I don't know which part of Brooklyn he was living he'd, in. He'd probably get both depending on the neighborhood. Um, but so like and like he kind of had this big fear and like in this song, uh, John Darnell just sings about he's like I feel like Lovecraft in Brooklyn, which you know John Darnell is pretty woke. I I don't think he has much negative attention, but like he he talks about like oh you know I'm I'm terrified and he references like the Cthulhu stuff and then like you know this it, the it culminates in this last verse where he just almost like shrieking, I woke up afraid of my own shadow, literally afraid. <laughs> you know, I went down to the pawn shop to buy myself a switchblade and the woman at the counter asked me how I feel today. I feel like Lovecraft in Brooklyn. I gotta play the playlist on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> there'll, be, there'll be little snippets of it in this if you listen back. But yeah, it's, you, uh, I, I think you would like the Mountain Goats. If like, if you're like a lyrics I mean, guy. I'm a, I'm a big Neutral Milk Hotel oh, fan. Oh, yeah, 100%. They've, they've covered Neutral Milk Hotel and like they're, they're up there. Check out uh, the album Tallahassee. Okay. Um, Tallahassee, Florida. That's where, where it takes place. And specifically the song No Children is a good entry point just because, like, it's it's the best breakup song. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, let's move right along into your next pick, which is uh, Every Day I Write the Book by Elvis Costello and The Attractions. Let's listen to that really quickly. I've never really listened to Elvis Costello. Dude, he's so good. I, I've listened to like a handful of things, but I've never like given him a proper deep dive because he's a, one of those great lyricists. Yeah, um, I, I dug this. This was super cool. Yeah. So, watching the detectives. Um, there's so many. He's got. Um, I know uh, the angels want to wear my red shoes. I don't even know if I know that. I I, or uh, pump it up. I know. Pump it Obviously. up. Yeah. Yeah. But there's just like certain. What's the one where he's like, na 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 na. I don't even. It's like a. Allison. Yeah, Allison. Allison. That's a yeah. great fucking song. <laughs> it's a classic. Yeah, and the guitar playing. Uh, but this song, every day I write the book. It's just like going through the chapter. I mean, it's fucking. Yeah. It's great. I I love stuff about writing and like this. Kind of, it kind of it, it like 
merges with like new wave sort of like post punky stuff, but it's also like crisp and clean enough that it could also like this might just be a 2019 thing where mm-hmm. it could be like an adult contemporary song. I don't even know what what is adult contemporary. I always think of like dentist office music. Oh, okay. if that makes sense. Like, okay, like kind of like light rock, but like. Yeah, it was super high end production. Yeah, like like Steely Dan style production. Steely Dan, yeah, um, like Michael McDonald type uh-huh. stuff, and like I don't know, it it gets a lot of shit. But I'm slowly realizing as I get older, I tend to enjoy it more. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and I I dug this. I loved like I love kind of like going through chapters and writing, and I almost picked a different bo- song called "I Could Write a Book" in addition to this. Um, but I was like, this is kind of like the same song. I mean, I honestly, I don't really know the lyrics of I could write of, of this song that well, but Let me pull them up. I think they're better than I could write a book, but that's like the jazz version. Who's, uh, I could write the book by, I could write a book. I don't remember exactly. It's a standard, like every major singer, okay. jazz singer has covered it. You know, back in the day, like Ella Fitzgerald and all those people. The line I loved most in this song was, all your compliments and cutting remarks are captured here in my quotation marks. Oh, that's great. Just because, like, I, I always think of, like, I do it now a little bit with comedy, but, like, you know, back when I was, like, writing poetry and, like, I still write some short stories and stuff, I would tend to, like, think of different things that, like, you know, different girls I dated had said to me, and like uh, they're they're all there still. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I I think I a lot of my stand up now is like this girl said this thing to me, and they're all they're all real. <laughs> I don't remember anything a woman's ever said to me. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> as soon as women start talking, tune them out. <laughs> no, I mean I'm trying to think like women I've madly loved. Like I really can't remember. Off the top of my head, anything. I mean, the two that get factored into my act now is I, I had a girl that was like, oh, you know, you're you're really hardworking and driven. I think you're going to make it. Um, and that was a girl I'd started dating right after I started doing stand-up. And then another woman once asked me, am I raping you? And I was <laughs> like, what am I supposed to say to that? You're not. That's wild. <laughs> but, yeah. But, like, you know, that line specifically pulled it in and like you know that every day I write the book it's you know it by the way this beer pairs really well with your bathroom soap oh really (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what the soap is I think it's like jasmine (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we used to have like uh, my mom used to buy like these like great like specific like bath and body work soaps and now like my dad bought these weird like they have like these almost like Mexican artwork on them, and I'm like, Dad, why did you buy this? Dude, I don't know. That's the thing, man. Yeah, Jasmine beer. We yeah. can <laughs> we can invent that. <laughs> we could open a brewery, <laughs> dude. I'm, I just saw they're opening a cider bar in, right near me in New Rochelle. Really? I'm That's like, awesome. Fuck yeah. That's so hipster cool. nourishing. <laughs> I like. I think that like there could be like a good like tequila bar around here. There's like, there's a good one in uh, Larchmont. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I. Uh, what is it? Captain Lawrence is about to start doing uh, spirits too. Which someone is cool. used to have a comedy show there. Oh, really? That it's a cool place, and especially now that they've made it bigger, it would be a great room for comedy. Mm. But I don't know if they'd be interested. You in should it. do it. They're kind of like a family-friendly place now. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, good beers. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, let's move right along into my next pick, which is Stuck Between Stations by The Hold Steady. Let's listen to that a little bit right now. Hold steady. Again, kind of like the Mountain Goats, uh, very lyrical stuff. This also references like Jack Kerouac. The opening line is, there's nights that I think that Sal Paradise was right. Boys and girls in America have such a sad time together, which is, I hate on the road. Um, but <laughs> but that's one of my favorite quotes in literature. I used to be like really into Kerouac and the beats in general. I like, I like Ginsburg. Yeah, I like uh, Bukowski's not a beat, but you know Bukowski's kind of of that era. Yeah, I still like Bukowski. I mean, I, st- I still like Jack Kerouac, but I just always think how sad he was towards the end of his oh, yeah. life. He well, he drank himself to death at like fifty five yeah. or whatever. And you know, I I think I am gonna reread on the road because like I, I I just feel like every time I've read it hasn't been the right time, and you know I I'm just kind of like why am I doing this? Dharma bombs was better than on the road really yeah i've never read dharma bombs i've read some of his poetry and i like it but yeah it's it's more the prose that kind of gets me with kerouac he was on all sorts of speed when he wrote on the road yeah and uh i'm trying to remember i once i used to keep records of what every writer's go-to drink was <laughs> and i was like oh you know if i'm if i'm feeling like i want to write like jack kerouac i'll dr- maybe he would drink margaritas my but dad just went to cuba and i was like you gotta have a hemingway daiquiri in this like, bar and he did and i'm like good it's a way to do it yeah. when i was in paris i you know my <laughs> my girlfriend was like what do you want to do in paris and i'm like i want to see the cemetery with jim morrison and oscar wilde and i want to go everywhere hemingway went <laughs> do you know who who my favorite low-key American in Paris was who? Um, oh, now I'm fucking Tro- <laughs> Tropic of Cancer. Henry Miller. Oh, okay. Fuck. What did Henry Miller write? Tropic of Cancer. Tropic of Cancer. <laughs> no, but he wrote another th- Sexus. I'm gonna do a quick Google search. Henry I'm Tropic trying. of Cancer. Tropic of Capricorn. Um, he, he wrote something that like I am very familiar with. <laughs> He's fucking great. He he inspired um, Kerouac a lot. Oh really? That's awesome. Yeah. I've uh, I've I don't think now that I'm pulling it up, you know, without diving too deep into it. To it, uh, I maybe I haven't read any of his stuff. But He's got like super ornate lyrical prose. Like it's almost like you ever listen to you know Visions of Joanna. Yes. It's almost like that was a novel about fucking whores and drinking. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they were all doing. That, that, that's kind of what the modernists were all about. <laughs> um, oh, that's awesome. It, like, yeah, there, there was so much when I was like in Paris that I'm like, I want to do this. And like, you know, it, it was it's such a it's a different world over there. It's it's so much, it, you know, I I was on vacation. So like different. But I was like, I could I could get used to this. Yeah. Like, I, I have this romantic notion where I'm like, I'm going to move to Paris for like three months at one point. I'm going to write a novel and then like, you know, that'll be cool. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, but uh, Sal Paradise. uh uh, Jack Kerouac, 
Hold Steady. Hold Steady are like boozy literary, like classic rock guys that were also influenced by like straight edge punk. Okay. And like, you know, guy can't really sing, which I I realize <laughs> I like with a lot of the the music that I like. And like this song also references John Berryman. You ever read Berryman? Mm-mm. I've tried. I don't. Another one. I don't like his stuff, but like he. He was from Minneapolis, I believe, and he famously threw himself off the bridge. Um, I didn't even know there was a bridge there, but I automatically like anyone from Minneapolis. Oh, cool. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you get to the Twin Cities, you know. I only know, uh, what's her name? Fuck. Who's the woman? She died last year. Mm. They knew, now I'm, I don't know. But I know her and uh, Profane Existence. My favorite band is The Replacements. Oh, that's... And they're Minneapolis, right? I've been on a little bit of a Replacements kick recently. Yeah, they are Minneapolis. Or St. Paul or something. Yeah, but uh, they're... Hold to very influenced by The Replacements. And uh, I just interviewed a band and... They said they were like, we tried to record a live album and be like the replacements where we were like, we're going to get fucked up beforehand (laughs) and like we'll make jokes on stage. And, you know, they were like, it's bad. We couldn't do it. Yeah, it was a couple of my favorite albums are just people getting fucked up. Like Tonight's the Night with uh, Neil Young. Yeah. They're just frying weed and eating it. (laughs) (laughs) I I love like the... Going back to the whole today, there's this clip on YouTube that I love where, like, they, it was professionally recorded, and the lead singer is fucking wasted, <laughs> like, absolutely shit-faced on stage. And he'll drink on stage. You know, I've seen him by the end of a show. You can tell he's a little bit lit. But, like, this one, he's absolutely blacked out. And they're, like, doing a song called uh, Your Little Hood Rat Friend, and there's, like, a breakdown in the middle of it. And then he goes, you know, thing about hood rats is... uh they rat hoods. <laughs> and I'm just like, what are you doing, Craig? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. That's good, funny. good stuff. But, uh, you know, talk, uh, John Berryman throwing himself off. What I like about the Hold Study is, in addition to, like, literary references, they name, they check a lot of, like, punk rock and a lot of classic rock where, like, the line about John Berryman is, uh, he goes, uh, there was that night we thought John Berryman could fly, but he didn't, so he died, which is a reference to people who died by the Jim Carroll band. Um, oh, I don't even know that band. Oh, uh, you ever see the Basketball Diaries or read the Basketball Diaries? Oh, I I, ha- I feel like if I'd been paying more attention, I have a story about that, but I don't. <laughs> I think I think my old roommates knew one of the guys who it was based on. Possibly, it, it's when. Uh, when I got really into the Basketball Diaries when I was, like, 16 or so, uh, I talked to my uncle about it, and he was like, yeah, I probably ran into that guy or at least some of the people that he was friends with just, you know, running around in the 60s with people doing heroin. So. Yeah. But Jim Carroll Band is really cool. Songs in E.T., apparently, so that's their big claim to fame. And he, like, held a mic stand for Lou Reed. So. Okay. <laughs> you know, he he's, like, adjacent to these massive figures. Did I pick a Velvet Underground song? You did. Nice. Coming up. But uh, let's go into <laughs> your next pick, which is uh, The Battle of Evermore by Led Zeppelin. Let's listen to that really quickly. Thank you. 
I mean, this is basically just Lord of the Rings. Tolkien, yeah. yeah. I've I've never read Tolkien, to be totally honest. And I haven't seen the movies. I read... I mean, okay, so my mom used to read me The Hobbit okay. before bed when I was like seven. So I, that kind of was ingrained in my, my childhood. Um, and then I could never really force myself to read the novels because they were just so intricate and detailed. But I went through a period where I was just like lonely and depressed and smoking a lot of hash in Mongolia. I read all, all of the fucking Lord of the Rings trilogy in Mongolia, weirdly Jeez. enough. It's <laughs> <laughs> a way to... You, you have led a, a lot of life for, you know, because you're 33, right? Yeah. Yeah, you've done a shitload. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, kind of. But I, I feel like I've been slacking lately because I've been trying to, like, not trying to have something to show for my life rather than just adventures and stories. Yeah. You, uh, stories are kind of what makes it, though. It's <laughs> it is, but if you don't have the skill yeah. to make them interesting and uh, relatable in the career with which to distribute said stories, right. then it's like, what? You're just going to be fucking homeless and... Mongolia. <laughs> yeah. What was it like reading Lord of the Rings in Mongolia or The Hobbit? Uh, what was it like? It was... It was sad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was in a hostel. So if you never... I don't know if all hostels are like this, but it's like bunk beds, right? And the only privacy we have are these little curtains. And I was smoking hash from like a Sprite can that I Jeez. cut up and just reading these <laughs> novels. <laughs> But it was a good way to like focus and get into it. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. You know, it's I've I've had some experiences. Uh, I'll tell you off mic that I don't want to <laughs> air out to the public. But like, you know, I uh, do you know um who's the guy? Uh, the books Paper Towns. Uh, John Green. Okay. I I read like one of his novels in a very specific circumstance, and I tore through it, and I was like, "Oh, this is the only thing I have right now." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you end up, you know, sometimes some books do that. You know, also traveling does that. Like when, yeah. especially pre cell phone, pre like I don't know if you can get data in Asia now i have no idea that's a good name for a song data and age (laughs) (laughs) but but back then it's just like you go to these used bookstores stop used bookshops (laughs) 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 it's a really edit that sentence and uh uh, and it's like yeah you get some old some rolled doll short story collections and like another author weird as shit yeah but it's like your 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 choice your choices are very limited, so it's like you're going to read some stuff you wouldn't normally read, which is yeah. kind of cool. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Lord of the Rings, it's kind of, for me, it's a, a kind of up there with, like, Harry Potter, where it's not something I think I would pick up, but I think if I read it, I'd tear through it and enjoy it. Um, and having, like, Led Zeppelin perform that, you know, mm-hmm. the Zeppelin guys are, are huge nerds Yeah, <laughs> at the end of the day. That's why they fuck. Teenagers. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> With sharks. <laughs> With sharks? Yeah. Uh, do you not know the shark story? 
no. This was this is like a, a a legendary Led Zeppelin story where apparently they had like a groupie like laying down on the bed and they found like a sand shark and they like shoved it in her pussy. Oh my god! Yeah. Have you seen that movie? I mean, not the the Vice mini documentary where they they go to like see how porn is made in Japan and all these people are shoving like mud skippers up their pussy and oh, eels I up their ass. Seen that. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen any. It, it, Japan has like weird porn laws where like they can't like that's why like bukkake is a big thing over there because like they can't show like penises yeah. so like they have to blur that oh, out but yeah, like they can show the cum on the girl's can't face. can't show pubes either. It, it, can they not? I didn't no. know. No. Shameful hair. <laughs> That's so weird. I don't know. They can show a fucking aardvark eating a woman's pussy. Porn's such an interesting, like, industry. And, like, I don't know. Do you ever, like, uh, what what type of porn do you like? (laughs) Uh, I mean, it changes. Last last night, what did I watch last night? I just watched some chick. I've been I wa- oh my god! I watched this <laughs> movie last night. Where it's this old dude? He's like seventy or right. mid sixties at least, and he's just pretending to sunbathe. And this British chick is like taking more stuff off, and he's like, "Okay, fine, I'm gonna take my dick out." And then he just like, "That'll make you leave." And then she comes over, and they start fucking, and it's actually really hot. A like, lot of the time, when I watch porn with like old guys, I'm. I'm always like a little bit like I don't feel like I should be watching this. But this guy was in shape. Okay. He didn't look like he let himself go, which made it less shameful. Like okay. she might actually want to fuck this oh, guy. Cool. And then I was like, maybe someone will actually want to fuck me when I'm old and that's real hot. <laughs> <laughs> More recently I've been getting into like amateur stuff just because I'm like, oh, this like feels real. <laughs> mm, yeah, <laughs> I know? like that too. And but yeah, it's it's one of those things. If I watch like old people, I'm like, I don't know how I feel. Same thing like if I watch like I can't watch like interracial su- stuff to some extent because I'm like I'm not black. You know? See, I watch, uh, I sometimes watch interracial stuff, but then I find myself weirdly like just wishing I was a black dude. Right. Well, that's why I think I can't get into it. Where like uh, just because I have that like intellectual disconnect. See, but I partially identify as black. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I I tell people I'm like a zebra. <laughs> I'm, I'm white on the outside. I'm black deep inside. Well, no, because like a lot of my friends growing up were black. Okay. So so I literally do okay. kind of identify as black on some level. Well, you have more of a connection with the culture. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, but, but it's weird. Yeah, as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving right along, <laughs> my next pick was a song for Ernest Hemingway by The Wonder Years. Let's listen to a little bit of that right now. Wonder Years are my favorite band. What would you do if your penis got injured in World War One? But yeah, this this is my favorite song from this album. This is also the last song I ever crowd surfed to because um, I realized that I was gaining weight and I, I I'm too big to crowd surf now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I saw them on this tour and like it was probably the first time they'd done this live and I was like. Get crowd surfed to this. <laughs> I've never crowd surfed. Oh, it's fun. You should you should do it. I've moshed. That's fun. You get it, crowd surfing is relatively easy. You just kind of have to like be able to like tap someone and be like, 
get me up, point up, you know? And then, like, you know, they'll, they'll give you a hand. They might grab someone else and be like, give us a hand. And, like, you know, you're... You know, you're not a fat fuck like me. <laughs> so, like, you know, you could you could do it. Yeah. But, I, yeah. I would do it. Song for Ernest Hemingway. Uh, this one is just straight historical to some extent where, you know, they, uh, you know, he, he relates to Hemingway in the sense where in the second verse of the song, he's just like, I'm staring at Hemingway's shotgun and I picture him drinking alone. He's forgetting things that he wouldn't have before. His eyesight's starting to go. I read about how his plane went down after Christmas in the Congo. Uh, he read about his own death in the paper. I bet it was freeing to know. And, like, there's an aspect of that where, like, you end up realizing, like, Hemingway led this bizarre life where, like, he was in two plane crashes in, like, two days. I didn't know that. Yeah. He was, like, on vacation in Africa and, like, one plane crashed and then, like, the next day when they were going to, like, go go to, like, Europe or wherever, uh, the plane exploded. The next plane exploded on the runway. Who was his pilot? Daniel Johnson. <laughs> <I guess>. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like you know, he, he, you know, he he survived both of them. And then, like, it caused him like chronic pain for the rest of his life. And then, when he got older, he started like losing his memory and stuff. And that is why he shot himself. Um, but yeah, I, wait. You, the brain damage from the cl- crashes. Uh, th- there's some theories that. It so I feel like the alcoholism. Well, that too. <laughs> you know, that's that's why he, <laughs> he pictures him drinking alone. I um, mean, I feel yeah, I feel like Hunter S. Thompson yeah. and Hemingway probably went out in a similar way. Yeah, just well, I uh, Hemingway didn't do as many drugs as Hunter S. Right. Thompson, but but alcohol, but a lot there. of booze. Yeah, and like I don't, you know, it's. It's so interesting. Hemingway is kind of an odious human being, like, you know, when you read into his life and the horrible things he did. But, like, there's a big part of me that sympathizes with him with the drinking stuff because, like, he suffered from severe alcoholism where he was drinking every single day and then, like, ended up shooting himself. I once saw a musical about Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> <laughs> it was about his last days, and like it's it's weird. <laughs> there was that HBO miniseries. Oh, uh, Hemingway and Gellhorn. Yeah, right? yeah, I think I watched a little bit of it, but I didn't get that far. I didn't see. Uh, I didn't watch it because I was like, eh, I don't know. I read a movable feast. That's, yeah, that's all I needed. But yeah. yeah. And, you know, I don't know. He, the fact that, like, his plane exploded and then, like, the, the paper was like, oh, yeah, he died. And I could just imagine, like, picking up the paper and being like, oh, I died. It's like, it's like Steve from Blue's Clues. Have you ever given to Evelyn Waugh? No. I don't know who that is. It's like, he's like a comedic uh, Ernest Hemingway almost. It's okay. like a British guy, but a good writer. Evelyn Waugh. Waugh. W-H-A or? W-A-G. U G H. Okay, I'll take a look into him. Yeah, cool. But yeah, let's move right along to your next pick, which was Eli the Barrow Boy by the December. Eli the Barrow Boy in the old town. <laughs> See, that's borderline too emo for me. <laughs> let's listen to a little bit of it right now. <laughs> Eli the Barrow Boy in the old town. Sells coal and marigolds And he cries out All down the day Below the tamaracks He is crying Corn cobs and 
I once dated a girl whose favorite band was the Decemberists. And yeah, I yeah, you you said you don't like emo, but this is peak emo. <laughs> yeah, but it's super good lyric. Oh yeah, lyrics and storytelling. It's haunting. Yeah, and yeah, I, I remember being recommended them in college, and I was just like, ah, I can't these voice. And then I just kept listening, and I was like, okay, this is good. Yeah, it's really good. It, it it's cool to just like you know I I never got super deep into Decemberists, but whenever I listen to them, I do enjoy them. And just like you know, this song, it it's a ghost story, and mm-hmm. I kind of like I like ghost stories. <laughs> yeah, and it's pretty it's pretty cool how consistently ornate their their lyrics are. Yeah, have you ever listened? Did you listen to the Hamilton song that they did? No. They uh, Lin Manuel Miranda sent them lyrics to a song that he wrote, and then was like, "Do what you want with it." And it's uh, it's from the perspective of Benjamin Franklin, and like it's it's really cool. And I was like, uh, you know, they kind of in the way that like I like black metal, where like it's folk music, but it's very visceral and orchestral, and it's like it almost doesn't even sound like pop music, which you know all these songs are at the end of the day. Yeah, this was the only album of theirs that I really listened to. Oh, cool. So. Yeah. I I stopped after the, the girl I was dating broke up with me. Nice. <laughs> I was like, fuck this. Uh, my next pick was uh, Burn After Writing by the Menzingers. Let's listen to that a little bit. Here's the girl. So this was one for me that was a song about writing mm-hmm. um, and, you know, just kind of like, you know, where he he's talking about songwriting principally, but like he he references like drunk haikus and electro sonnets and things like that. And kind of like the editing process where he's like this, uh, you know, the the plot doesn't develop. The characters are thin. It ends where it begins. And I'm like, oh, that's that's how I feel when I have that going <laughs> through my head whenever I start writing something. Right. So, you know, it's it's one of those songs where like just kind of like you know, get rid of it. It sucks. Yeah. But then like they get this song. So. Yeah. And it references uh what's it called? Uh New England by Billy Bragg, which I like fun. Billy Bragg. I need to listen to more of his catalog. Same. Yeah. I love I love New England. Yeah. That'll be on a playlist at some point in time. Classic song. Um but yeah, let's move right along to your next pick, which was Shangri La by the Kinks. Shangri La. Listen to Shang- that right now. <laughs> now that you found your paradise. This is your kingdom to command. You can go outside and polish your car or sit by the fire in your shed. This uh this kind of struck me in the same way the Jonathan Franzen novel that I read did mm. where it kind of depressing. Me out. <laughs> yeah, I mean if you haven't listened to the entire album um Arthur and the Rise and Fall of the British Empire it's it's arguably the first rock opera, um, and it's it spans just the British Empire and I guess a lot around Australia and World War, and I guess the whole British Empire. But it's just uh, it's not brilliant in its storytelling, but it's brilliant in its scope and 
That's catchy. Well, this was this kind of reminded me a lot of Tommy, which another uh, very early rock opera, mm-hmm. just kind of in the way that it's it builds kind of like a like a musical to some extent, and it's 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 storytelling at the end of the day, and I, you know it's very poetic, and I'd argue it's almost it's very similar to like what emo music does now, where they talk about kind of like being stuck in the mundane and like yeah yeah this is all about just like the capitalist farce like you think if you do what everyone tells you to do you'll be happy but you're just fucking happy you just have these things and a comfortable death yeah and yeah it's it's upsetting yeah But yeah, and the Kinks might get back together soon. Really? So they there's been some talk, but no one you know no one really knows. Apparently, the brothers hide each other. Shell out some money for Ray and Dave. Yeah, it'd be it'd be a cool show. Um, uh, one of my favorite clips though is when I think it was Ray Davies with Metallica at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twenty really? fifth <laughs> anniversary. It's it's really the cool, interesting crossover. I gotta check that out. Yeah. They they played with like him and like Lou Reed. I just saw Metallica canceled their Australia tour. Yeah. James Hetfield had to go back to rehab. Yeah. So which sad. They tried to make me go to rehab, <laughs> but I said no. No, no, no. <laughs> 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 That's the clip. They, <laughs> they they do covers. They could do, I can picture James Hetfield doing it. You know? That's hilarious. Oh man, let's let's keep it rolling. My next pick was uh, Desolation Row by Bob Dylan. Nice. Uh, let's play a little bit of that right now. They're selling postcards of the hanging. They're painting the passports brown The beauty parlor is filled with sailors The circus is in town Here comes the blind commissioner Bob Dylan is... I don't think I could have done a literary playlist without a Bob Dylan song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Highway 61 Revisited is you know one of the greatest rock folk albums of all time. And I, this is a massive song. It's 12 minutes long, and it's just a bunch of different, like, basically, like, sketches of various people. And there's a bunch of literary figures. There's, like, Cinderella, mm. Robin Hood, Phantom of the Opera. Mm. And, like, he's just, like, pointing these people out and, like, being like, oh, yeah, they're all out here on Skid Row. Yeah. Did I pick any Dylan songs? I don't think so. Yeah, I almost picked Tangled Up in Blue and Visions of Johanna, but I didn't because I was just like, yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's interesting. When I took American Lit in college, there was, um, I think, maybe it was like Rolling Stone was like in our anthology collections Mm -hmm. and like, you know, just because he is is such an influential writer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dylan. Doing it. He he also just announced a bunch of tour dates and like I'm thinking about getting tickets, but I've also heard if you go to see Dylan live, he'll like start playing like three minutes of a song and you'll be like, "What is this?" And (laughs) you have to like figure out what lyric he's singing. Yeah, I don't want to go. I think it'd be too sad for me. Really? I mean, I was such a huge fan when I was younger that I don't want to (laughs) hear Dylan. (laughs) 
back when I was uh, when I was still like playing music and stuff, I I had a brief phase where I was like, I could be Bob Dylan, and yeah. like I started writing like these simple like folk songs with my guitar, and I uh, again realized I was like, oh. I'm trying to mimic Bob Dylan's voice, but that is just the way he sings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Robin Hood, the Scott. <laughs> yeah. Except for on um, Nashville Skyline. I don't know. Nashville he sounds Skyline. like a different singer. On that. He, there's so many like. Lay, lady, lay. He, he like changes a bunch of things. I back when like downloading music was a big thing. I once, I. I think I just downloaded a shitload of Dylan, but you know how like you would download stuff and like sometimes it would be like the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. I downloaded it. It had to be some like soft rock guy. <laughs> it's a song called like Butterfly Kisses, and then it's a song about this guy like walking his daughter down the down the aisle, and like it. It's it's a good storytelling song, but like it doesn't sound like Dylan at all. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is an interesting Bob Dylan song. He can actually sing. Yeah. He's a, he's an enigma. Yeah, but uh, let's uh, move right along to your next pick, which is the Velvet Underground, Sweet Jane. Sweet Jane. Let's listen Whoa. to a little bit of that right now. <laughs> Darren, tell me a little bit about this one. I mean, I don't even know why I picked this because he said the word poets. Uh, that's <laughs> fair. Well, what I I didn't even like realize because I've heard the song a hundred times, but I never really paid too much attention to the lyrics. But like reading, I read them and I was like, oh, this is actually like really poetic and yeah, it's a dialogue, you yeah. know. Just because, like, you know, the way Lou Reed sings, he'll have, like, a phrase that, like, you can catch on to, but then he, like, mumbles a bunch of stuff, and mm. you're like, what's he saying? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's him mansplaining to his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's in a rock and roll band. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is... Uh, I'm going to pull up the lyrics right now, but... Dylan's are the only... Wait, what is it? Poets? Something about poets and villains. <laughs> Um, mm, trying to find that poet's <laughs> lyric. Uh, it's got the March of the Wooden Soldiers. Um, where is this? Life is just to die. Heavenly wine, heavenly roses. I cannot find the line about the poets. Uh, shit. Can I really not find that? Oh, all the poets studied rules of verse. It's the most famous verse on this Yeah, video. and the ladies, they rolled their eyes. Yes. Because you're not really... The guys who are just trying to stick to the rules are not really expressing their their self vulnerably. It's very dead poet society. Yeah. Yeah. But the guys who studied them and forgot them... Most of the guys, they're not rolling their eyes at <laughs> Well, that's that's that whole scene that the Velvet Underground came out of where there's, you know, these, you know, you know, they were there were poets like 
Allen Ginsberg and Kerouac and, you know, all those guys around and Velvet Underground was making what ended up becoming punk rock. Yeah. And then, like, you know, they, you know they're just kind of taking the rule book and being like, fuck this. <laughs> punk rock and just indie rock, too. Yeah. They're basically the first alt-rock band. Yeah. And working with Andy Warhol, who, like, post-art pretty much. Yeah, I always find one of the most interesting things about the Velvet Underground is the fact that they had Nico, you yeah. know, just be like, you're going to be your singer, too, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, there's that first album where it's the Velvet Underground and Nico, and she she's on, like, three songs yeah. or something, and then, like, I think they parted ways. I think her yeah. and Lou Reed didn't get along. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, that first Velvet Underground album is probably a top 20 album yeah, for me. It's great. Love it. Heroin, man. Heroin. Uh, what's the one that I'm thinking of? All oh. Tomorrow's Parties. I probably should have picked Heroin. <laughs> <laughs> I, Sweet Jane's a more memorable song. Yeah, but Heroin has some good lyrics, too. It's true. Um, let's keep on rolling along. My next pick was One Great City by The Weaker Thens. Let's listen to a little bit of that right now. Afternoon, another day is nearly done. A darker gray is breaking through. John K. Sampson. Oh, uh, oh you, I'm like, <laughs> no, I mean, I've listened to the Weaker Thans. It's one of those bands where, like, I probably heard them on a compilation album. Okay, yeah. I, I was tempted. They've got their whole sequence of uh, Vertute, the cat. Um, what? Oh, they've got there's so there's three songs. Two are weaker than songs. One is the guy solo. It's a plea from a cat named Vertute. Um, Vertute the cat explains her departure, and then Vertute at rest. And it's basically the lead singer wrote these three songs from the perspective of his cat. Mm. Um, and the first one is just kind of like the cat being like, "Yo, why are you all bummed out?" come play with me and like have fun stop drinking and watching tv and then the next one is like the cat ran away and he's like uh oh you know the cat's like i'm leaving because you're a fucking depressive alcoholic see that sounds like a like a song based on the there's a natsume soseki novel it's like a 600 page book called i am a cat Really? It's all from the perspective of a cat. Oh, it it might be influenced by that. Because John K. Samson, it, like, this is one that a literary guy where, like, I think he's an English professor, like, mm. when he's not making music. Um, and, yeah, the it, the cat stuff is great. Like, and then on his newest solo album, he, like, he apparently he's sober now. And, like, the he's got the song where it's basically just a eulogy for his cat. And it's really emotional and beautiful. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> um, but uh, this song, I, you know, the Weaker Thans are from uh, Winnipeg, and they, this song is very explicitly, it's kind of a love letter to Winnipeg, but the oh. chorus is, I hate Winnipeg. <laughs> um, <laughs> I gotta listen. I've been to Winnipeg. I've never been. How is it? No, I is hate Winnipeg. No, it's all right. It's all right. I hate Winnipeg. <laughs> it was okay. It, was, it had a nice, co- a nice coffee shop. Uh, I did a show there. It was fine. How do you feel about the Guess Who? I think I don't 
know if I like them. I think I've tried to listen to They've them. Got American Woman, and that's about it. <laughs> oh yeah, that's them. And then Lenny Kravitz covered that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think I always thought it was the Who, but I, I don't, I don't know. There's some weird confusion because it sounds so much like the Who, and I was always expecting the Who when I listened to them, that's and I fair. was disappointed. Yeah, the my the big line that always gets a cheer in the song when he does it live is he goes, "The guess who sucked? The Jets were lousy anyway," and like, <laughs> people start cheering, and I'm like, "That's that's a little sad." <laughs> but um, Frank Turner also famously covered this, um, and he's from Winchester, England, and he changes it to "I hate Winchester." Uh, um, and when I've covered this myself, I change it to "I hate Westchester." Wait, you play you play songs? I, I play guitar a little okay. bit. I you know I now it's. It's all just for me, but you know, but yeah, I've played a little bit of guitar, so nice. Yeah. Done a little bit. Of, I used to, I used to do musicals and shit. So, oh, cool. Yeah. But yeah, let's keep on rolling along. Your the second to last song is Suzanne by Leonard Cohen. Suzanne. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about this one. This song, see, this is one of those songs where I attached to a particular person okay. who broke my heart over <laughs> and over again. I have that with Chelsea Hotel number two. Uh, wait, there's a number two? Uh, it's number two, but that's the only one, oh, apparently. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe he had a different version that he never released. Yeah. There, there is a Chelsea Hotel one that I think he's done live that's like 10 verses long. But, oh. you know, that's Leonard Cohen. <laughs> yeah. uh, I saw him at Madison Square Garden. Oh, really? How was that? Uh, I mean, it was good, but it was would have been better if it was like just him or just him and a couple people in a smaller venue. Yeah, I've watched a couple of live videos of him, you know, basically at times that like I was at an age that I could have seen him and I was like, I don't think that his shows are for me. Yeah, it was good. I mean, whatever. Um, but so tell me about this person. Oh, you know, they were, we, this was a sad song. <laughs> I, I'd heard this like, but never paid attention to it. And this, this bummed me out. Yeah. It was, it was appropriate in that way. Yeah. For me. Uh, the person, I mean, I she was my friend set me up with them, and I was I, I friend zoned her. Ooh, and then I then we actually and then you started, fell in love with yeah, her. Yeah, and she was like, nope. Oh, that sucks. And I confessed my love to her several times. We even hooked up a couple times, but it was just not meant to be. It's a way to do oh, that. Sucks. Yeah, but uh, you know. She, well, I don't know where she is. I don't <laughs> plan on looking her up, but I think now she she had some drinking problems, and I no. think she's cleaned up now, which is good to hear. I don't know if she's still clean, but yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's all. That's that's it. all she wrote. <laughs> I was trying to remember the last line from uh, Chelsea Hotel, where he's like, "That's it. I don't even think oh, of yeah. you that often." Yeah, that's yeah, it. that's a good. Let's yeah. We'll transplant that to Suzanne. <laughs> <laughs> you can sing it at the very end. Just remix. Do a mashup of two Leonard Cohen songs. <laughs> it's an ultimate bummer. <laughs> uh, but yeah, look, no, but like Leonard Cohen, he has those lines that will just like decimate you. And like, I, 
he's got that line in Chelsea Hotel where he's like, you know, uh, she told me I prefer handsome men. And I'm like, that fucking fucked me up for, for like three months in college. But isn't there the line in that same song where it's like, we're ugly, but we have the music? Yeah. I, I always found joy in that line. Yeah. And I... I appreciate that. I think I think my thing is I was exposed to Chelsea Hotel at first because uh, the Menzingers do a cover-ish version called Sun Hotel. Mm. And uh, in their version, he just changes the line to, you told me again, Greg, I prefer handsomer men. And I'm like, oh, that's a that's a way to look at it. And like, they don't include that line about we have the music mm. and like, you know, so just like when I was like sad about girls, you know, I would just like sit and scream, you know, I told me again, you prefer handsomer men. And, you know, but you know, <laughs> now I have a girlfriend. My life is great. <laughs> <laughs> Solved all my problems. Nice. Uh, let's go to my second to last song, Fisher King blues by Frank Turner. Let's listen to a little bit of that right now. Parents, don't be too kind to your kids Or else how will they grow up to be? Lausch Parisian sinners Little T.S. Eliot, little uh, Arthurian uh, stuff. You ever read T.S. Eliot? Uh, yeah, The Wasteland. Wasteland, yeah. Fisher King's in that, you know. Which, like, apparently... Ballad of... Arthur uh, Proof Rock. Love song of oh. J. Alfred Proof Rock. <laughs> yeah. Frank Turner <laughs> said Arthur Proof Rock. <laughs> uh, Frank Turner references a lot of uh, uh, T.S. Eliot. He's got a song called I Knew Proof Rock before he got famous. I think mm. he's got a song where he goes heavy into the wasteland. And like, I I loved the wasteland when I was in, excuse me, when I was in college. Me too. Um, yeah, because I had a professor that would offer us a... Uh, a chord of Jack Daniels if you memorized it and could recite it to Wow. Um, the, the, what is it? The waves or the ocean picked his bones in whispers. Is that the one? I There's a line. Remember. Like, whatever. I remember, uh, what is it? It's like in Native American English. It's like data, damiata. Uh, I couldn't even remember it, but it's like give, sympathize, control is mm. the translation. And like, I thought about getting that like tattooed on Teresius with his withered dogs. <laughs> <laughs> April it is the cruelest month. <laughs> well, that's what you'd expect T.S. Eliot to sound like, but then like you listen to him and he's like, "The women come and go." Speaking of Michelangelo, <laughs> who is this guy? Same thing with like Hemingway. You ever listen to Hemingway talk? No. He kind of has like a higher pitched voice really? than you expect. Damn. Like it, you could find his uh, Nobel Prize acceptance speech. And like Yates has a great voice. Uh, I don't know if I've ever heard Yates talk. <laughs> what you'd expect a poet to sound like. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to, you know, it, it, it's so funny now because like if if you're a poet, if you're a poet now, like you almost have to do like some form of slam poetry, mm. and like those people have to be like. So then I said I wanted, you know, th- like that sort of like projection, and then like you listen to like T. S. Eliot, and he's like, the ladies come and go. Speaking of Michael, you know, or Hemingway being like, a writer should do that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Ginsburg delivered his lines, pr- yeah, po- pretty theatrically, and think. Did uh did what's his name? Fucking drunk fuck fuck. 
the guy we mentioned <laughs> that, that before. That doesn't narrow it down. <laughs> Kerouac? <laughs> no. Thompson? Who, who you associated with them, but wasn't really of the beats. Oh, uh, Bukowski. Yeah. yeah. I forgot how. How did he deliver his line? <sighs> I he re- should know that. He I, resented reading, right? There, Yeah, there's there's actually an album of like him giving like a book reading. Yeah. And like, it, it's great. But like, I... I think that he was very. A lot of the poets I like now are like very like plain spoken in the way they deliver. Mm. Where like, do you, do you know Hanif Abdurraqib mm-hmm. by chance? He 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 writes nonfiction, but he also writes poetry, and he has this very like tender voice. Where like you know he'll just kind of read you know like don't speak black, don't talk you know. And I like that. Yeah. He, he you know, and he yeah, I've heard him in interviews, and he said he's like I like poetry read to me softly and sweetly. Where back when I was a slam poet, you have to like scream basically. I used to have like a jazz hip hop band. Uh, I used to be that like MC. bad, bad, not good. I don't know them, oh, but they're, they're cool. Jazz hip, but go. Yeah, but uh, we we had like um, I like cut up these samples of Jack Kerouac reading his poems. Like he had this album where he would have a like saxophonist accompany right. him, and my drummer would play the samples. You know, like no leaves yet, or it was like it was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Fisher King Blues, uh, this is just kind of like, you know, the Fisher King notoriously like guards the Holy Grail and, you know, that's kind of like his place in like Arthurian legend and stuff. And, uh, you know, this song just kind of like modernizes it, which I kind of like where he kind of talks about like being a shitty person and justifying it, which might not be a good thing, but he's like, you know. If you're a parent, don't be nice to your kids because otherwise they're not going to feel pain and they're not going to be artists. <laughs> mm. Yeah, but what's so good about being an artist? <laughs> well, <laughs> once it pays off, it's good. But yeah. <laughs> right now, not a good place. But let's go on to your last song. This is the uh, another death that permeates this playlist is uh, The Grateful Dead's Dire Wolf. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of that right now. Up in Mario, the wolves are running round. The winter was so hard and cold, froze ten feet beneath the ground. Don't murder me, I beg of you, don't murder me. Yeah, Robbie Hunter just died. Who's that? Uh, the lyricist. Oh, yeah. Oh, he he never like performed with the dead, but he he would write the words. I didn't so, know that. Yeah, he he died like. I think this week. Holy shit. Yeah. So tell me. 600 pounds of sin. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It just it t- tells a story. Yeah. And people don't normally think, associate the dead with great lyrics. No. But there's some good stuff, you know. Yeah. I, uh, uh, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast yet, but, like, I'm kind of, like, excuse me, I've been, like, notoriously, like, cold on the dead my whole life mm-hmm. because when I was younger and I was first getting into rock music I asked my dad about the Grateful Dead and he was like Grateful Dead suck yeah. <laughs> so like that's kind of like stuck with me since then Yeah, <laughs> but like as I've gotten older I've listened to some stuff and I do enjoy it, it it's interesting to see like to hear a studio cut because everything I've listened to has been live yeah this whole album American Beauty is great from, from cover to cover yeah from edge to edge of the <laughs> vinyl. Uh, have you seen Dead and Company? Or no. 
I've got a buddy that like he he loves jam bands, so like he's seen Dead and Company like three or four times since they started doing the thing they're doing now. Yeah, I, I'm not a big jam band guy. Like the Fish, I can't really yeah. stomach. I I went to a show where you know Lotus. No, they're like a Philly jam band, and like I was like I didn't think I was gonna like it, but like I was actually like really pleasantly surprised. Where I was like, oh, this is cool, you know? They're like, it's a it's a whole scene. Everybody's on drugs. Um, <laughs> some guy came up, put both his hands on my shoulders, and was like, hell yeah! And I'm like, where do I know you from? And <laughs> my buddy was like, that just happens sometimes. <laughs> 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 That's wild. That but, reminds me of the time I was at this hippie festival and I was on mushrooms and I don't even know. Someone went on stage and was like, okay, we're going to do this thing where you just pick a person and you just stare into their eyes for three minutes. <sighs> it's the most That's uncomfortable terrifying. thing ever. <laughs> I've never done mushrooms, but I can imagine that it's probably more. I'd probably be more anxious if I did it on mushrooms. Mm. So, but yeah. Grateful Dead, Dire Wolf. I I enjoyed this. You know, I I do want to listen to a live version of it mm. because it. I feel like that's the way to hear the dead. Mm. But yeah, yeah. I feel I feel like jam stuff or jazz or anything that's like highly improvisatory in nature is better live than yeah. it is recorded. Definitely, because you can see the communication happening. Yeah, and like you know, you kind of uh, you don't get it. St- as much listening to it, but you could still hear kind of like the the physical, like uh, you know the the real energy coming off of it. Where if you listen to something in the studio, it's just like mm-hmm. you know it's chilled out. It's yeah. not chilled out, but you know. Yeah, I mean, I'd be curious to know which songs and in, in general of any album are recorded in like isolated track by like instrument by instrument in which yeah. recorded band the band at the whole time and yeah. i i wonder if i can guess because i haven't really tried i've uh, i've never really yeah i've never taken a deep look into some of that stuff i've like i've read different like musicians biographies and like sometimes they'll mention like oh you know uh you know the keith richards you know had had this idea and like they did this all at once and it was cool but like that's about the extent of my knowledge of it Mm. and sometimes with musicians that i like they like will share the stories but yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. let's move along to the end of mine uh my last song another death uh that's just the way that i feel by purple mountains let's listen to a little bit of that right now myself but someone's gotta say it hell i mean things have not been going well it's time i think i finally fucked myself uh not as recent of a death (laughs) but uh david berman uh of purple mountains and the silver jews did uh pass away Mm. i think last month or two months ago or so um you ever listen to the silver jews only like a song or two, and I didn't pursue him further enough because I was like, I didn't like him, but it just didn't hit me. I've like, I've been getting into, uh, I've been getting into them a little bit more. Where like I was kind of like lukewarm on them before, but then I listened to this album when it came out, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then uh, you know, David Berman tragically, most likely took his own life, mm. like three weeks ago or so, whatever, whenever it was. And uh, I've kind of been uh, 
you know, I've been on a little bit of a kick with this album, and he he's another just poetic songwriter. He's published books of his poetry, um, and this is another one that like it's it's sad, but it's also kind of funny. Where like, let me see if I can pull up the lyrics. Uh, where he's like, uh, uh. I don't like talking to myself, but got something to say at hell. I mean, things have, have not been going well. This is time I think I finally fucked myself. And it's like, oh, that's... And, like, he delivers it in this, like, very, like, upbeat, jovial way where, like, it it's very fun. But then he'll also have a line where he's like, I spent a decade playing chicken with oblivion. And it's just like, what the fuck? What the fuck, Berman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lines that like just sit with me. <laughs> yeah, well, you gotta sit with James. <laughs> but yeah, so I I recommend this album to any Purple Mountains. Purple Mountains. Purple Mountains. Purple Mountains. It's okay. the name of the album. Name of the band. Um, it's sad that he's gone. Um, you know, a lot of people are dead though. Yeah, that's some fun. good company. <laughs> <laughs> Him and Robbie Hunter are writing lyrics yeah. in. Uh, in oblivion that <laughs> he's been playing chicken with yeah. um but yeah i don't know i've uh, i've done a lot of like reading into like stuff with david berman recently where like he he notoriously tried to kill himself in 2003 in the hotel room that al gore found out he lost his election in hmm. which like crazy specific <laughs> but like i don't know that's like I don't want to kill myself, but if I was going to kill myself, I would do something like that. If I was going to kill myself, I'd like to have a, um, a pastor, a rabbi, a Buddhist monk, all <laughs> m- masturbating on my face while I slit my throat. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think I would... <laughs> Have something that poetic. I think I'd be like, I want to go to the bathtub that Jim Morrison was laying in when they found him, and then I'll I'll bleed out there. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds more peaceful. Uh, maybe I don't know. Not if I slit my wrists and I lay in the bathtub. Yeah. Do Do you know Chuck Klosterman? Oh no. He's he's an author. Uh, he writes a lot of like essay collections, and he's very good. But he. Uh, He's got this portion in one of his books. I don't know if it's an essay or one of his memoirs or something, but he talks about um, talking to one of his coworkers about which Beatles song he would put on if he was going to slit his wrists in the bathtub. Mm. And he's like, I think I would put on Tomorrow Never Knows, but I also don't think that two and a half minutes would be enough time for me to bleed out and die. <laughs> what, what song would, what Beatles song would you go to? Oh. This is the part of me that wa- wants to be really poetic and do, like, a day in the life. But then there's yeah. also the part of me that wants to be cool and do, like, a Yellow Submarine <laughs> or, like, Helter Skelter. I, th- I feel like the one that comes to me is uh, Blue Jay Way. Blue Jay Way would be nice. Is that the one? Day after day. I no, actually, I'm thinking of Fool, Fool on the Hill. <laughs> da, 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 da. I don't know. I think I think a day in the life would be like poetic and yeah. interesting. Maybe uh, too much cacophony. I don't want to go out to the cacophony. <laughs> well, you know the the first part. Yeah. You know, by the time you're gone, you're like, oh, whatever. Uh, but yeah. I don't. You know, maybe probably something from Sergeant Pepper's though. You know. Yeah. You know. 
Maybe something from the White Album. White Album would be good. Mm, I don't know, man. Maybe like know. something, even though it's a love song. Something in the way she moves. Yeah. Right. If I have my girlfriend strangle me, you know, <laughs> something in the way she moves. Yeah. Just grab my neck. Yeah. Have that go. Been playing chicken with oblivion or have someone smash me to maxwell silver <laughs> <laughs> if i was 64 when i'm 64 you know, right that would be a good one yeah know. absolutely have them uh cremate me to that and then you know fire my ashes at people you know like like a post-mortem or bukkake just, or just shoot myself to rocky raccoon <laughs> <laughs> uh I, I'm trying to think of how <laughs> do happiness is a warm gun right. for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, shoot yourself in the tub. <laughs> happiness <laughs> is a warm gun. <laughs> While you do a shitload of heroin. Yeah. Uh, I, I, what would put on Revolution Number Nine? Just confuse people. Number nine. They, no. They'd be like, he knew what this meant. Yeah, nine millimeter. Yeah, or like you know, some big political protest. Maybe throw myself off the White House to Revolution. You know, number mm. one or whichever the pop one is. Yeah. Or you know, put on like you know. Uh, all my loving, or uh, <laughs> she loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Help, help would be a good help. One. I need somebody. That'd be sad because then someone would feel guilty. Oh, yeah. Or many people. Well, would that's feel what guilty. I would totally do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would be trying to make people feel guilty. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's playlist literary stuff. Did you have anything you left off or? I mean, there were a bunch of a bunch of things I probably could have put on. Probably. Uh, I, f- I feel bad that I didn't put any jazz on there, any blues. Uh, yeah. I, I always end up feeling like, oh, I need to include a little bit of every genre. That I like. No hip-hop. No hip-hop. MF, which MF Doom, one of the greatest poets yeah. living, in my there's, opinion. There's a lot of rappers. Uh, you know, I, I almost felt like that would be too easy to just be like, there's rappers. Rap's poet. poetry. Yeah. Did you, I mean, I'm not sure how accurate this is, but I'm pretty sure rap stands for rhythm rhythm and poetry and poetry <laughs> so or if uh you're me in 2004 or whatever it's retards attempting poetry <gasps> <laughs> what that's <laughs> <Which> racist <laughs> i <laughs> i used to be bad i used to really hate rap music and yeah. you know then i grew up uh <laughs> yeah. um i left at the big one that i was uh, upset that i didn't put on was uh Portrait of the Artist as a Fucking Asshole by Dillinger 4. Uh, okay. But that's just for the title. You yeah, know, yeah, References James Joyce. But yeah. yeah. Steiner, where can uh, people find you? TrueKpod.com. <laughs> <laughs> and on Instagram, at Andrew Steiner. But there's no A, because the at symbol is the A. Oh, that's clever. I didn't even realize that. That's cool. Yeah. Well, because someone else took my name. That's fair. I've been trying to get James Crowley on Instagram, but I can't. So you can follow me on Instagram at James P. Crowley and on Twitter at James P. Crowley 68. Mm. Um, And share the podcast with your friends. Stein, do you have anything coming up? This is going to go up on Wednesday. So if you've got anything. Um, November 1st, I'll be at the Beverly in Kingston doing my show, How to Meditate, a burlesque show. <laughs> and uh, I'll do also in Philly, I'll be doing that on the 22nd of November. And then I'll be in Louisville doing it for a few days. But get tickets on my website. Cool. Uh, I don't think I have anything to plug. So I'll jam out with you guys next time. Uh, good night. Bam. Bam.